1: Greetings, Hoopsheads! Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Thursday, March 22nd. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. Good show today, late show, but good show. We're going to go over the latest news on the Warriors' injuries. Stephen Curry set to return tomorrow. Klay Thompson eyeing Sunday and we'll go over all the latest there in the second segment we'll be doing a two-part well then the second and third segments we'll be doing a two-part interview with the CEO and chief marketing officers of the historical basketball league a league that's kicking off in either 2019 or 2020 for collegiate players to attend historically black colleges and universities and play during the summer. It's called the HBL. It's going to be amazing. It's going to pay players. They're going to be able to get endorsement deals. And they will have five years guaranteed at their college of choice. I previously did an interview with the CEO and the founder of this league, and the story for that will be coming out on Forbes.com tomorrow or Saturday. It is a long, exhaustive piece, and I'm trying to get it right, so I'll let you know when that piece comes out. But this interview is very informative, and you really get an idea of how toxic amateurism can be in the whole environment of college sports. These guys are trying to do right at least as far as collegiate basketball athletes are concerned. As I mentioned, I write for Forbes.com. I write at the intersection of sports, business, and community impacts. I've also written for Bleacher Report.com in the past, X's and O's on the Golden State Warriors. You can get this podcast wherever podcasts are available. That's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play or iOS, as well as lockedonwarriors.com. Make sure you check out lockedonsports.com, and you can find every locked on podcast there. And bookmark those pages. You can also find locked on warriors on Facebook at locked on dubs, and locked on NBA Net has all of your other basketball needs. You can get in touch with me. On Twitter at Kogitare, K O G I T A R E, or at Locked on Dubs. I tweet from both accounts. You can also get in touch with me via email at Carter 11 at gmail.com. That's A L I K O Carter11 at gmail. I want to apologize for missing my podcast yesterday. Long story short, I pressed some buttons. I don't know what I pressed, but I lost all my sound, and my, po- my whole podcast was gone before I could publish it. Very sad. I had some really, really great stuff from for you. The statistical deep dive went into hustle, hustle stats. Long story short, Draymond leads the team in hustle stats, uh, and that is a big part of what he brings to the team. He's 12th in the league in shots def- uh, defended, closely defended, shots contested that's the that's the term 12th in the league and first on the Warriors Kevin Durant comes closest next closest he's in the top 25 I also talked about injuries and how I'd like to see in the return of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green a sense of urgency that we haven't seen In the entire season, you know, uh, a few games before the start of the playoffs where the Warriors play Warriors basketball for 48 minutes because, you know, I mean, maybe they can turn it on in the first round, but whoever they face, it's going to be a good team. It's going to be either the Spurs, the Jazz, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, or potentially even the Los Angeles Clippers there's a lot of teams that are vying for those spots and uh, it's going to be a gauntlet no matter who they face in the first round in the second round it's going to be you know uh, somebody very good and in the third round obviously it's going to likely be the Houston Rockets and the Warriors won't have home court so you know if they could have a few games before the end of the season where they just really turn it on that would be absolutely Incredible to see. We'd love to see that as fans and as commentators. Uh, you know, because 16 and 1 was begat last year from a very good close to the season. The Warriors closed the season extremely well in 2016-2017, and it allowed them to 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 take that momentum into the playoffs. And I'm looking for a little bit of a little bit of momentum for the Warriors in the final eleven games. But Stephen Curry set to return on Friday, barring any setback. Uh, Bob Myers told 95-7 the game a few days ago, and then also Klay Thompson trying to to come back by Sunday. And that is, you know, definitely going to be a big, big boost for the Warriors, who've struggled on the offensive end a little bit, and, you know, especially in the last game, weren't able to get up three-pointers, let alone make them. The Warriors, of course, play the Atlanta Hawks on Friday, Utah Jazz on Sunday. Then they welcome in the Pacers, playoff team, good team. The Bucks, playoff team, good team. To Oracle, nice four-game homestand there. Hopefully a gimme with Stephen Curry's return, and he'll be firing against the Atlanta Hawks on Friday, knock on wood. But the Jazz, Pacers, Bucks, very good teams. And the Warriors would do well to be locked in. They could take an example from Kavon Looney, who's been locked in and looking like, you know, something special, looking like the Warriors might have found something special in Kevon Looney, pulling up from 18, 19 feet in addition to fighting for offensive boards, making things happen on the offensive end and playing defense block parties, block parties for Kevon Looney, making shit happen. Kevin Durant, of course, sidelined for at least an additional week. And Draymond Green, it's unsure if he'll play on Friday. We haven't gotten word on that one yet with the pelvic contusion. Kevin Durant dealing with a cartilage fracture in his ribs. And, of course, there's Armory Caspi, who I had high hopes for at the beginning of the season. I really thought he was going to be a three-point sniper in addition to all of the other good things that he does. Dealing with an ankle injury, and it's unclear if he'll play tomorrow or Sunday as well. You know... I mean, as many DNP CDs as he's gotten this season, it wouldn't really be a surprise, even if he was healthy, but does bring good, te- good things to the team. Late pod, so basketball has already started the Rockets, won in overtime against the Detroit Pistons at home, very sad uh, they were down, and the Pistons really had that game in the bag, but then kind of made some bad decisions down the stretch and then turned the ball over in overtime, leading the Rockets to their eighth straight win. And they look to have that one seed pretty much locked up. They're going to be a very, very tough out. Teams that win 65-plus games, which the Rockets are on pace to do, are very good teams. They just are. Teams that have the point differential, the plus plus eight or whatever. As a matter of fact, let me look that up. Okay, that's an 8.9 plus 8.9 point differential. Very, very, very good. Compare that with the Warriors plus 7.6. It seems like the Rockets are set to make some sort of upset. The Warriors are going to have to bring it together before the playoffs. They're going to have to bring it together before the playoffs. I would love to see a few blowouts of good teams. One thing we haven't seen this year is just healthy blowouts of good teams on a regular basis. We've had a few. We've had a few, definitely. But uh, the Warriors went on streaks of blowouts in the previous three seasons uh, that we haven't seen this season. I'd love to see that in the final 11 games. Just some. Domination, Some good old school ass whoopings. You're listening to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Stay tuned for my interview with Ricky Vellante and Ralph Green from the Historical Basketball League.
0: Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So, stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as
2: adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera
1: and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details.
3: You're listening to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've got the CEO and chief marketing officer of the historical basketball league here at the league that is being founded in conjunction with historically black colleges and universities that's going to take on the NCAA. Uh, They're promising to pay players and allow them to uh, get their own endorsement deals beginning as early as high school. So I've got Ricky Vellante here, the CEO, and Ralph Green, the chief marketing officer. Welcome, guys.
0: Thank you. Very hey, glad time.
3: to be here. Thank you. So, first, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, amateurism has been, you know, you've got this DOJ probe, you've got the FBI involved, you've got Adidas and this whole swirl of, of illicit, uh, gifts and everything like that. And what you guys are trying to do really is bring that out into the open. And I wanted to ask you about your philosophy on amateurism. Um, what, uh, Needs to change. Now, I'll start with you, Ricky.
2: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, first of all, my overall thoughts on amateurism is that it's, it's a myth, it's a sham. It was something, uh, particularly the term student athlete, was something created uh, by the NCAA in the uh, 60s and 70s, in particular, to avoid um, workers' compensation claims and things like that, uh, so they could insulate themselves legally. There's a a study that was done by the Carnegie Commission at the beginning of the 19th or 20th century in the early 1900s. And they looked at 112 universities, I believe it was. And of those 112, 81 of them were compensating their players at the time. So uh, what we're trying to do is by no means something new. What we're actually trying to do is reset college athletics back to what it was originally, which, you know, was bringing college and sports together and not needing the, concept of amateurism sure sure yeah i
0: i would um uh, only add i it's odd in this in this grouping um uh, i'm sort of the guy that's uh not not so much the advocate but just looking at it from a business point of view um having you know been in the sports marketing business for 30 plus years to me it's just a, a readjustment of a marketplace i i think that you know the overall no- Notion of hey, let's give a guy or a gal a scholarship in exchange for their athletic pursuits. You know, I can understand how that that um, uh, you know the the notion of that deal could come about. Uh, but but attitudes on the politics of amateurism notwithstanding, I think that just simply that deal as it stands, particularly in basketball and football, just isn't a fair deal anymore. And that's where I come from. It's if you look at um, any of the you know most recent uh, college championships, the amount of benefit um, that uh, both financial and brand building and otherwise that endures to the participating schools and coaches far, far, far exceeds that that uh, endures to the players. And certainly over time you see that, and I just don't think it's fair. I mean, in any other circumstance, if you did a deal and ended up becoming – a complete imbalance, you renegotiate the deal. And that's just, for me, the thing about this is that this gives an athlete to participate in the very economy that they're creating. It's not, you know, so much about, oh, let's get let them do shoe deals when they're in high school. That's not really the point. The point is, at this point, sports is such a big thing in this country that a high schooler actually can contribute to the building of an economy. Why not let them participate in it? You know, and that's really the funnel that that I kind of act on and why I'm involved.
3: Gotcha. And uh, so it's got this dual, this dual kind of uh, purpose in that you're sticking with the students for five full years, you know, however long it takes them to finish school up to five full years. You're getting, uh, they're getting full scholarships. During those five years, and then the opportunity to make a uh, make a a paycheck fifty to one hundred thousand dollars, plus the potential for endorsement deals. So uh, it's got this dual sided thing that parents are going to like, the kids are going to like, and uh, you, I really think you have the potential to pull away some of these uh, top tier talent from schools like Kentucky and Duke and and, and stuff like that, especially working with. Uh, HBCUs and the history that they have. Uh, would you expound on uh, the, the HBCU element?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I would say this the super short version, and you know, Andy goes into great detail about this. Um, but but the super quick version is that you know, under the current distribution system that the NCA has, um, so a typical Division One SEC school receives. $41 million from the conference and from the NCAA. That is as of 2015-16, that average. Um, that same year on average for a Division I HBCU um, received about 950000 A Division II HBCU received about 37000 So the system, as is currently constructed, will forever keep the HBCUs at the bottom of the food chain. Um, And this leads to some of the economic distresses that a lot of these institutions are suffering because, as we just saw with uh, UMBC topping the University of Virginia in the tournament, that that, the economic impact of that game has already been valued at over a $100 million in essentially free marketing for the school. So, um, and, and, you know, uh, just to tie this to the Warriors, all the kids got out of it was a Free pair of curries. Um, so, I mean, I guess at least they got something. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which side of the table you're sitting on, the HBCUs were identified as the group of people that might be most willing to participate in a league like this. And, and just to clarify, we're not asking them to break away from their conference, break away from the NCAA. What we're asking for them is to allow us to create a club team on campus to provide a supplementary and complementary source of revenue to what they're already getting from the NCAA. Ah, very interesting. And
3: we'll get into exactly how schools, well, sorry, go ahead, Ralph. I'm sure you have something to no, add. No,
0: I, I, was, I was just going to add the, um, and Ricky did allude to it, but I think the HBCU piece of this is really important in that, you know, even the logo has a book in it. And I think that, you know, one thing that we don't want to get lost in here is the, the academic heritage of that set of institutions and the sort of academic uh, added feature that we w- are adamant on, on building into this model. So, um, yes, it will attract a different level of basketball player, um, uh, to these schools um that you know, like you said, may go to could have would have gone to other schools like Duke and what have you. But it also is delivering a different benefit. Um that um and you know historicals in the name there is a the educational and social benefit of HBCUs is well documented and and we want to leverage that and help help enhance it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so we have to take a quick break. And you're listening to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. When we come back, we'll talk about exactly how the Warriors can become involved in this project and
2: how schools are able to stay in the
3: NCAA and continue to participate in the Historical Basketball League.
2: Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And
3: we're back, and I've got Ricky Volantepe and Ralph Green of the Historical Basketball League here with me. Uh, Ricky, you mentioned Andy. Andy, the founder, Andy Schwartz, uh,
2: is uh, a... <laughs> he's a sports a- economist. or, or He's yeah. an economist that focuses on yeah. sports. <laughs> Gotcha. Thank you.
3: And he founded the HBL, brought you on, brought Ralph Green on, and uh, he's going to be a big part of the Forbes piece that I'm releasing, uh, hopefully Friday, if not uh, before that, um, chugging along as we speak. There's a ton in there. But I wanted to jump into uh, the um, exactly how and HBCU can stay in the NCAA, can have a men's varsity basketball team that's playing in the winter and in the spring, and also have this summer season HBL League, Um, would players be allowed to play on the varsity team and in the HBL League, and exactly how do you prevent the NCAA from from retaliating Uh, because you're obviously going to be stepping on their toes? Right,
2: so a little bit out of order from the questions asked, but to start with the easy one is once a player has participated on an HBL team, he has extinguished his eligibility with varsity athletics for the NCAA. Uh, Cause then at that gotcha. point he has received compensation uh, for his athletic talent. So uh, that that's the easy part. The um, diving a little bit more into the weeds now um The reason that we decided to structure each of these teams as club sport teams is that the NCAA and their bylaws only have the ability to regulate uh, varsity sports. So, you know, uh, I'll use Stanford because Keith, Ralph, and Andy are all Stanford grads. The many uh, very popular and very successful and oftentimes very good club sports teams on Stanford's campus that may also wear Stanford gear have no connection to the NCAA. They may have some sort of loose connection to the athletic department and some sort of relationship there, but otherwise it it exists outside of that varsity athletics world. So that we did that intentionally because then at that point, Uh, The NCA really can't swoop in and say to a school, you're not allowed to do this, because really the way the deal is structured between the HBL and the university is they're licensing us their intellectual property, i.e. their logos and their name. Uh, They are allowing us uh, priority access to their facilities during the summer, which is when our season would take place, and then secondary access to their varsity programs in the spring and fall when the traditional varsity schedules are happening. And then, essentially, there's like a loose services agreement where any sort of overflow services that their athletic department or other people on campus, like ticket takers and things like that, have to do as a result of us being there, we cover that additional cost. So none of those three things are things that the NCA has power to control. So that leads us to the third part of your question, which is how do we – prevent or avoid the NCAA from retaliating. Well, it's been set up this way intentionally, again, given Andy's background as an economist, my background as an attorney, that if the NCAA were to take retaliatory or retributive action against these universities, it would be a blatant antitrust uh, cause of action known as restraint of trade. So, um, you know, we, we often compare it that People will say, well, what does the NCA think about what you're doing? I put it in the terms of did Uber ask the taxi companies what they thought of what they were doing? We're, we're competitors. We are going to be competing for the same players, and we're by no means asking them what they think of our model.
3: Sure, sure. Very, very interesting.
2: Ralph, anything yeah, to no, add? No.
0: No. I mean, I, I think <laughs> that the – um, the one key thing there is—you did reference Stanford the club teams. Um, you know they were uh, in full force when I was here playing, and, and um, uh, they represent the school. They're every much, you know, the athletes that play on it are students like everybody else. Um, they are, you know, it's the full student athlete experience. I know you hate that term, Ricky, but it's the full experience of an athlete playing sports for the school. It's just a club. Uh, and it's not, um you know, you don't have an NC2A mark on the uniform and you're not participating in, in Final Fours or Frozen Fours or any other kind of Fours. You're participating in your own club structure, Uh and it's fun and developmental just like college athletics should be.
2: And, Ralph, maybe you want to touch on the marks that the HBL will have and how that would work with our club teams. Right. So the
0: byproduct of what I just said is, you know, from a licensing point of view, um, uh, again, using Stanford, so I, I believe women's field hockey is probably a varsity sport now, but when I was in school it wasn't. But you could get a women's field hockey sweatshirt or T-shirt or anything, you know, show your support for the program, just like you could get a Stanford football or Stanford basketball sweatshirt or T-shirt. Um, so we will, you know, be able to take advantage of that, um, uh, you know, create even some new um, licensing marks and and, and uh, identities that the schools can take advantage of. So um, and that's, that's great for them because they, quite frankly, the HBCUs, quite frankly, don't really get a uh, good bounce from licensing and sponsorship. They're certainly not as good as uh, some of the other schools, and this will give some added product news and some excitement to them as well.
3: No, very exciting. Very exciting. And there's a mentorship element as well. You're trying to get NBA players involved in this, and uh, tell me exactly how this would happen, and specifically as it relates to the Warriors who come out, you know, Draymond Green, uh, Kevin Durant have come out in support of college players getting paid. So how do you, to reach out to NBA players, what would they? What role would they play uh, in this league? And specifically, how does it relate to uh, the Warriors?
2: Right. So there's a few different ways that that pro basketball players uh, we're trying to get them involved. In particular, right now, obviously we have a, an advisory board where essentially they are an extension of the HBL brand. Um, you know, and, and in particular, there are players on the Warriors such as. KD and Draymond and, and Steph and even Iguodala and Sean Livingston and David West, guys like that, who have shown socially conscious investments um, beyond Yeah, basketball. they call those guys the the three wise men. Exactly. So you know, we we are absolutely they are all towards the top of our priority list for that advisory board. But additionally, something that we spoke about in in the written piece was the ability to adopt a program. Um, And and the way that would work essentially is that a professional player would have the ability to either partially or fully fund the the scholarship program that would be dedicated to 12 players on a particular campus. So, um, you know, Durant's from the D.C. area, so the HBL Howard Scholarship Fund could become the Kevin Durant Scholarship Fund, and, and he then adopts that the Howard program and then has the ability to serve as a mentor to those players. And, you know, utilize that in all the ways that that athletes are able to extend their brand for those, you know, social impact ways. And also, by the way, he'll get um, some tax benefits and things like that for those donations to the program and, and other things that, that go deeper. So um, th- there are um, those sorts of ways. And then recently retired players were looking to get more involved, you know, whether it's in our director of our basketball operations division um, in terms of recruitment, in terms of, you know, we have a commissioner's role that we're going to have to fill at some point. So, I mean, there are other ways in which um, both current and recently retired players can get involved. Ralph, anything to add there?
0: No. Well, I mean, I do think that um, when, uh, and I know the NBA is, is in general is trying to get their, their mind more fully engaged in, in how um, you know, a, a basketball player, player can make it from one of the various pathways from high school to the league. Uh, and the, I think this provides an opportunity for it's, – it's not an a complete, a absolute alternative, just another way. And, and the athletes will begin to you know, adopt some of these programs either because they have family connections – or, um, you know, they just like uh, to show some, you know, regional or local support and affinity. And uh, that will that will give it uh, an allure that um, other, you know, options don't have. And it's bound to happen. And, um, uh, you know, we we'll look forward to that. But
3: fundamentally,
0: it's got to be the strength of the brand of the individual colleges in the HBCU world that will drive this.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, Absolutely. That is about as much time as we have for today. I want to thank my guest, Andy. uh, Well, not Andy. Andy Schwartz, the founder, is going to be a huge part of the piece that I'm putting together right now on Forbes.com. hope to have that published tomorrow. It's going to go into great detail, much more detail than we're able to get into in this short conversation here on Locked On Warriors about the historical basketball And I just want to thank my guests, Ricky Vellante and Ralph Green for taking the time to talk to me and trying to get the word out there. Uh, you know, this is this is an issue that's extremely important. So thanks, guys. Oh, thank, thank you
0: very
3: you. much for having us. Thanks thank
1: you. You've been listening to Locked On Warriors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Tune in tomorrow where I'll be previewing the game against the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to go down the Reddit hole and then we're gonna revisit this conversation about paying college basketball players, including little snippets of this interview and going into deeper detail. Hope you enjoyed tonight's basketball and stay thoughtful, Hoops Heads.
2: Hey Bay Area sports fans, this is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider.
1: This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.